the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Honf of Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is general trivia. Our special guest on the phone right now is Laurent Massa of Group RMC to discuss purchasing real estate in the Midwest. And, Laurent, you're actually from Canada, aren't you? Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, Montreal in Quebec, Canada. Okay. And uh, your company, RMC, uh, now you've been purchasing a lot of real estate in the United States, mostly in the Midwest, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we've been purchasing real estate in uh, in the Midwest since, I think our first deal there was 2011, but uh, our history in real estate goes back to the 1980s with uh, with my dad, who who, uh, who started buying a property in uh, in Texas during the savings and loans crisis. So, Laurent, what's your favorite state right now, and what type of real estate are you buying? Are you buying single family residences, or are you doing multifamily or commercial? Uh, favorite state? That's a good question. I have a few. Uh, I really like. I mean, I like Ohio. Uh, we have some stuff in in Minnesota. Um, I would say one of the best kept secrets in the country is actually Kansas City. That's a if any of you guys uh, have been down there or plan on to, I think you'll be very surprised at how much of a booming place that is. Um, and as far as the type of real estate we do, we we have a very narrow criteria for real estate. Um, we do uh, large, uh, institutionally maintained um, office buildings and office parks. Okay, so no residential, it's just strictly office. No, no residential. I know multifamily is sort of the, uh, the hot trend right now in real estate, but as, as you get to know us, we kind of stay away from crowds. And, uh-huh. uh, we do strictly strictly office. So where so the area of real estate, Laurent, that you're you're playing in, so to speak, the the the, the you know the area of the pool, and it kind of sounds like it's the deep end of the pool with uh, uh, that type of commercial real estate. Is this? Uh, an area that um, individual investors uh, can participate in, or are you are you buying in a volume that would uh, that would really kind of keep the small players out? Well, um, the, uh, we have. I mean, our, our partners, our group of investors, our our partners that you know are not really clients. They're really our partners. They're they're mostly family. Um, families that we've known for a long time and uh, and now family offices and we've opened up a new channel uh, in the united states and in canada whereby uh, investment advisors can can invest 
their clients' money into a fund which invests uh, in the deals alongside us, uh, like the other LPs. So there's a bit of everything to answer your question. We have some, some, you know, some bigger investors that come in deal by deal, and they'll put in you know, a good chunk of change. And then we have, we have some sort of middle-of-the-road people who have been with us since the beginning, and then we have the, uh, um, you know, the regular retail, I guess you could say, investor that comes in through a fund. Uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, a little bit of everything. And uh, I assume they all have to be accredited investors? Well, to come in directly, yeah, you have to be an accredited investor. Okay. And uh, can you share any kind of, uh, like, rate of return you guys have earned for uh, your clients? Well, it depends on the deal, but we aim to pay out uh, distributions quarterly of about 7% uh, cash on cash. That's, that's, our, that's our aim. Okay. Is that an annualized return? Uh, yes, annualized. Yeah. Paid nice. out quarterly. And I'm, I'm assuming you don't uh, deal in California at all. No, we don't. Yeah. Uh, not because we don't like California, but just because you know things are things tend to be quite expensive on the coast. Uh, yeah. That's probably why we're mostly in the Midwest because it's sort of a, I guess you could say, kind of an unloved place. Yeah. But uh, that that's our specialty. <laughs> what concerns you the most about what's uh, you know what we're all projecting and predicting as to what's going to happen in the economy in the next year or two? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So one of our um, something that kind of sets us apart from other real estate institutions is that we're permanent capital. And so what that means is we don't, we're not bound by, you know, a five year or seven year or 10 year time horizon. We look at real estate the way it should be looked at, which is a permanent, as a permanent asset. Um, so a risk that comes with that is, you know, it's, when you're a permanent owner, it's not if there's going to be a recession, it's when is there going to be yeah. a recession. So how do you avoid that? Well, the two biggest killers in real estate are time and money. Yeah. Um, we have, we're obliged to go into a deal very well capitalized because we know that you know uh, things are going to happen. You know, tenants might default. Uh, uh, you know, we're, if we're well capitalized, we're in a very good position to not only keep um, keep tenants in our building, but also you know maybe uh, have a bit more of a competitive well, rent set and and steal tenants from other buildings. Well, Laurent, does that mean that you're you're putting down a large down payment and taking on very little debt? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that we have a lot of cash reserves okay. um, going into the deal that you know we can use to make tenant improvements or to uh, to you know make sure our building stays competitive when other buildings are kind of struggling. Okay. To, uh, and, and so, how much leverage when you purchase a building do you usually have? Uh, I would say between depending on the deal between sixty and seventy percent uh, leverage. Okay, so you're putting 30, roughly thirty percent down and leveraging seventy percent. Okay, exactly. All right. And your competitive edge is the fact that you're well capitalized, um, because your deals, you you do fairly large deals, don't you? We do. Um, we do. I would say anywhere between half a million to three million square feet. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Are any of the structures yeah. you hold this real estate in? Or do you do any REITs? No, we don't do any. We we don't uh, we don't do any REITs. We're we're. We're not. Uh, we're, we're we're deal by deal. So we're just basically, you know, a group of families and investors who come in and buy at the deal, and uh, and and that's it. Every deal is is its own LPGP structure. So we're not exactly structured like a REIT. Okay, and Laurent, uh, stay with us. We're going to cut to our first commercial break here. Uh, first trivia question is: In which country did Ho Chi Minh come to power? 
All right, call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Again, the question is, in which country did Ho Chi Minh come to power? Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We're going to be right back. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Hoff and our special guest, Laurent Massa. First trivia question was, in what country did Ho Chi Minh come to power? China, right? No. And I wish Nam was here. I, I knew it was a trick question. <laughs> <Yeah>. Vietnam. Oh, <laughs> see, if Nam was here, he would have known that. Oh, of course I <laughs> Yeah, see, I didn't go to Vietnam. So. No, of course, of course not. Yeah. We weren't old enough back then. No, that's 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 true. Hey, I want to make old a, now though. I want to make a quick. <laughs> that's true. Want to make a quick mention here for the uh, Urban ta- uh, Tavern, which is located in um, located, excuse me, near. Union Square in San Francisco, and uh, now that uh, baseball season is getting towards the end, if you uh, you can get a buy one get one ga- day boy, let me try this again. Buy one get one game day drink deal. So you you get one wow free if you buy one if you wear your game day jersey. All right. And uh, all you have to do is just show your game t- ticket or uh, wear a local sports gear and check them out. Urban Tavern near Union Square. All right. Laurent Massa from RMS, um, or RMC, RMC, RMC Group, who uh, purchases large real estate. And um, Laurent, you were going to explain what brought you to the Midwest. Uh, yeah. So the, it's sort of a three step. Uh, process that brought us to the Midwest. The first one was, I guess you can, I mean, our family's history goes, in real estate, goes back to the savings and loans crisis um, in the 1980s when, uh, specifically in Dallas, Texas, my dad, my dad, Ray, and his partner, Tom, they were buying apartment buildings for $2,500 a door on rents were 500 a month. So, you know, there was something, so Ray turns to, turns to Tom and he goes, we're all the small, smart people. And yeah. Tom kind of looked at him and said, you know, just shut up and look at the numbers. Yeah. Um, he, he was a shrewd kind of no-nonsense kind of guy. And But the answer really set the tone for what the investment philosophy would be uh, moving forward, and that's to kind of stay away from hot markets and, and, and crowds, and those tend to drive up prices beyond the actual, um, you know, intrinsic value of the assets. So, that, you know, as Warren Buffett says, and, you know, when we have $70 billion, I'll stop, I'll stop taking advice from Warren yeah. Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to go wrong when you buy a dollar for less than a dollar. So that's, that's, and then uh, fast forward to the 90s, um, we had what's called the Quebec referendum. And that's, uh, that happened in 1994, I believe. And that's when Quebec almost separated from the rest of, uh, rest of Canada, sort of like a Brexit, except that mm. didn't go through. Uh, it almost did, though, 51-49 in favor of the state. Wow. Anyway, there was, a, um, there was a huge exodus of business who moved to, uh, to Toronto. And that sort of, that big sucking sound let us find a lot of value. Um, in Quebec, in places like Jonquière, Sherbrooke, Drummondville, a bunch of places you probably have never heard of. Yeah. Um, and then finally, that, that brought us to 2011, after the recession, when, when, uh, when the world kind of really got down on the U.S., particularly in the Midwest, where it's kind of yeah. common knowledge that it was a dead place, and uh, sellers were pretty eager to get rid of assets at, uh, at you know, fire sale prices. So we closed our first property in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 175,000 square feet, Far away from Silicon Valley, New York, and, and San Francisco, and and the seller was uh, seller was GE Capital, 
and we bought the asset for a third of the mortgage it held and for a quarter of what it was built for 25 years ago. Oh my before. gosh. How how much oh, uh, how I mean, much in dollars was that? How, how many how much in dollars? Yeah. I can't remember. I'd have to check. Oh. Um, I'd have to go back and check, but Wow. That, I mean not every deal was that great, but yeah. you know, fast forward uh, to today, and we were over uh, just over 16 million square feet, and uh, two over just over two billion in assets, uh, asset value. Well, well, so you you you're of a size where you know you could be discussed in the same conversation with some you know big institutional players, but uh, like some of the larger REITs and and private equity firms. But how do you differ from from those guys? That's a really good question. It's it's. Um I would say what sets us apart is, is, is you know, from wheat reads, pension funds, private equity groups, institutional investors. Again, Cole Warren Buffett, he calls it the, the institutional imperative. And it's not, it's not really in the, inherited, in the uh, inherent advantage of an asset manager to, I guess you could say, risk his career, reputation, or, or hmm. you know, by doing something out of the norm. And yeah, institutions, exactly. they've always been focused on big markets. Right, no manager, no manager is going to get fi- fired for buying a four cap in New York yeah. uh, with little upside. Um, uh, but you know, ironically, the same manager can get in trouble for buying a small market ten cap with upside because no other manager is doing it. So that's why yeah. sellers tend to write off places like the Midwest because it's kind of an embarrassment on their portfolio, and the manager can say at his next conference call, "Well, you know, he got rid of the four Wayne assets." So. And huh. let me be clear: these managers are not dumb. They, you know, they have they have big degrees. They went to big universities. It's just that they're 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 selfish. They, they want to look at they're looking after their own. <laughs> their motivations yeah. a bit different than ours. Yeah, you could say. Gotcha. So you're on the hunt for true value, true upside. And have you moved around the Midwest a little bit over the years? Um, yeah, we sure have. So we started, um, like I said, our first deal is Indiana, and then we um, we bought a lot of stuff in uh, Ohio. So we're the largest. Um, largest suburban landlords in Columbus, Ohio. And then we moved a little south, and now we're the largest land, suburban landlords in Kansas City. Um, we own a lot of stuff in suburban Chicago. And then recently, more recently, I should say, uh, we uh, we bought up a lot of property property in Memphis, Tennessee. So we're large landlords there as well. What, what kind, of, kind of moving out to the southeast. What, what kind of cap rates are you uh, buying at? Um. We tend we, we usually buy around eight to ten. Uh, 10 really, you're wow. able to get those kind of cap, cap rates? rates? That's amazing. Ten cap on on existing NOI, it's, it's baseline. I mean, vari- variations on the theme are considered, but ten ten cap on existing NOI is usually baseline. Wow, very cool. Anything concern you in the economy looking ahead? Notwithstanding the fact that you answered earlier about you know buying real estate for uh, taking the long view. Well, I mean, there's always risk when you get in, in real estate. Um, I guess one of our big risks in, in real estate is, is your tenant. You know, let's say you're buying a condo building. Well, if you're, you know, a, or a condo unit and your tenant leaves, there goes your income. So tenancy risk, we, we, we tend to try to, to, to you know, uh, I think in most of our portfolios, no tenant has like, you know, more than 10% of our, of our, of our mm-hmm. rent roll. So if one leaves, it doesn't affect your bottom line as much. And in terms of their credit, uh, a tenant in New York is, you know, a credit tenant in New York is the same as a credit tenant in Columbus or Kansas City. Their check is good as good is just as good. Yeah. So, the other risk, I, I guess, the the knee jerk one, the biggest one is would be liquidity risks. And are these markets liquid, or at least as liquid as you know yeah. New York or San Francisco? And the the answer to that is 
only if there's a promise to sell the asset by a specific date. So we're we're not bound by a term like most institutions or pension plans who have five, you know, seven, ten year horizons. Um, we're we're our, our legitimate risk comes from overpaying, which is something we'll never do. We've you know waited years to do the right deal and won't buy it for the sake of buying, and our partners are very comfortable with that. Yeah, it seems kind of ridiculous uh, to put a, a specific exactly. timeline on when you have to sell an asset because then your your you know back is against the wall potentially. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's just how the in, these in, institutions are structured. I was mentioning, um, I was speaking to you last week, and I mentioned that they. Uh, a lot of these institutions charge performance fees and more importantly their carry fee which is you know 20% of the profits and so they only realize their carry once they sell uh, we don't charge a carry we we are the only way we make our our, our economics is up front we charge a one time markup on the share price that we call a, a co-investment premium which we take in shares of the deal not in cash very cool um, and so that all that does is lower our basis in the deal and then that way it's pure co-investment moving forward in addition to putting in our own capital of course um, but we don't have to sell is the bottom line because we're not incentivized. Hey, Laurent, we have to cut to another commercial break, and we're going to have to let you go. But how do people get a hold of you if they have an interest in the Midwest? Um, well, they can visit our website and reach out to, to our IR team. Uh, all the information is there, grouprmcusa.com. All right. um, you can take a look at our portfolio, our, our market approach, all that kind of stuff. And uh, shoot an email to our uh, our outreach team, and they'll be happy to respond. To Great, you. Laurent Massa from RMC. Thank you so much for joining us on the Best of Investing. We got to cut out thank now. You for okay. Me. All right, we got to cut to a break. We're going to ask the next trivia question next time. You're listening to the Best of Investing with your host Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Hanf. Uh, we said to had to say, say goodbye to Laurent Massa. Uh, pleasure yeah, we ran a little him. long that time, so we couldn't do the trivia question. No, so we'll, we'll save it, do it we'll, on the next we'll, one. we'll save it for yeah. next time. But um, So I've got a couple of articles here that I wanted to share. One, first of all, just reading, uh, E-Trade is cutting their commissions to zero. So how does that work? How are they actually making money? Because didn't Schwab also follow up and announce, too, that it was cutting commissions to zero? Yes, and TD Ameritrade. So E-Trade assumes they're going to lose $75 million in revenue. Schwab assumes they're going to lose $100 million uh, in revenue. This is just the second quarter. And TD Ameritrade, $240 million in commissions during the so, quarter. So they're willing to lose money on every trade, but make it up in volume. Yes, that's right. Yeah, No, <laughs> no the, the goal, apparently, is to push clients towards managed portfolios, mm. you know, so that they get a little little sliver of, um, you know, not necessarily a commission, but like an asset management fee. It's just amazing how technology across the board is pushing prices down on so many items. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny because, and this is a conversation unto itself, you know, people say, well, there is inflation because gas has gone up and the price of, you know, food items have gone up, eggs, milk, etc. But then you look at 
how technology has pushed down the price of phones, phones the, yeah. the price TVs, of computers, yeah. TVs, um, the technology in cars today, and and the internet is just doing its best. These new tech companies to disrupt so many different areas of uh, of the economy. And in fact, we're going to talk just a little bit later about you know how tech is disrupting the real estate industry and some of what's happening oh. in real estate, which is you know much to the chagrin of that you know six percent earning or thereabouts uh, realtor. So it's, oh yes, uh, yeah, yes, yes. It's uh, very interesting stuff. One other article I wanted to bring up here: the uh, Harvard study used reviews on social media sites like Yelp uh, as a gauge of real of quality. Here it says it found that uh, lower rate. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up. We're talking about minimum wage. Oh, and how in certain markets, restaurants are going to have to close or they're choosing to close. And it's not going to be the high-end restaurants. It'll be the lower ones because the the minimum wage, you know, if you're at some hoity-toity restaurant in San Francisco, you're not making minimum wage. You're making more than that anyway. Mm-hmm. So what are the ones that are paying their employees minimum wage? It's the lower-end type restaurants. Lower and guess priced. what? You're low-priced. And those are the people who need the jobs the most. Mm. So they figured out here, uh, according to their uh, estimation, five-star restaurants were largely unaffected, while ones with a three-and-a-half-star rating were 14% more likely to fail when the city's minimum pay rate rose 10% above mm. the state's minimum. Because the state has a minimum, and then sometimes cities go, no, we want you guys to, to have more. Right. Living wages, as they call them. Yes, exactly. So, you know, this. I think there's going to be a big backfire with this idea of minimum increasing the minimum wage. Well, you know, it's it's there's a lot of sides to that issue, and it's hard to argue that people don't deserve to have a you know minimum level of of economic sustenance. But on the other hand. You know, the free market should be allowed to dictate, but it's just, it's it's a hard it's Well, a hard also, you know, those kind of minimum wage jobs, theoretically, were for the teenagers, that sort of thing. It wasn't supposed to be for someone to make a living off of. And if suddenly McDonald's starts charging $12 for a hamburger because of minimum wage going up, that's going to affect the people who even can even buy McDonald's hamburgers. America's meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. Price is going up. Taters. Taters. <laughs> taters. Okay, those, taters. those were just the two little articles I want food for thought on that. So, um, Mark, um, the only reason I know this is because I'm uh, an investor in your fund, the mm-hmm. Pacific Private Money Fund. But holy smokes, you know, we've been telling people, yeah, you're paying a little over 7.5%, yada, yada. This last month, the annualized yield hit almost 9%. Right, so... We distribute the profits that are calculated on an accrual basis. So for those of you who know accounting would understand what a accrual-based accounting means, but it's a truer way of reflecting the actual income and expenses of a business or enterprise. And so our fund, we distribute the income that we calculate every month uh, in full. So our shares are priced at about $1,000 a share, and they go up in value during the month uh, as we do our accounting. And at the end of the month, we account for interest income, income from disposition of any REO projects. Sometimes when a loan pays off, we collect additional interest. Maybe we collect default interest or some late fees. Uh, that is uh, That gets added to the regular note interest rate that gets calculated during the period. Long story short is that um, the nature of the 
the loans that we make is that oftentimes we make a little bit more than was originally bargained for because the borrower maybe didn't keep up his end of the bargain and therefore he had to pay some some default fees or, or some late, late charges. Fees, yeah. And so those tend to give you a little boost to income. So we had a couple of things happen during the month of, uh, of August. And so we had a nice little boost there. And it actually, based on several, um, we, we have three... Uh, um, we foreclosed on three loans uh, in the last 90 days, and all of those are being remodeled for, for sale, and some of those are going to be at a substantial profit when we sell them. So I would say in the next six months, we are going to have similar periods where when the sale occurs during a certain 30-day period, there's going to be a, a boosted income. So that, that, that serves to kind of boost up what, we, what we'll earn on an annualized basis. Now, if you're in the fund, you're going to get a chance to benefit from that. If you're not in the fund or if you join late, well, you kind of miss out on what might have happened, for example, last month. So it's uh, one of those things that, um, you know, when you're, when you're in the fund, uh, you get to enjoy not only our kind of fairly stable and average annualized returns around seven and a half percent is what our trailing 12 is. Uh, although actually now it's a little bit higher thanks to August, but uh, from time to time, you're going to benefit from uh, those little, uh, you know, bonus and, items. That and uh, I'll make you a side bet. And yeah. that is that a lot of existing investors are going to be so happy with that distribution they're going to <laughs> say, hey, can I add to my account? Well, and, and so when you're an investor in the fund, many of those investors are um, income investors. So they do get those distributions in cash, and they will see a, a, a nice little jump in that cash distribution. So you're right. Uh, the people that let it roll over, unless if they don't read their statement, they won't realize <laughs> that, hey, <laughs> oh, you, got, see it you right. got a bonus. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut to another commercial break. When we come back, I want to explain to people, or want you to explain to people exactly you know, what your fund is, how can you can earn such a high rate of return. Yeah. All right. Second trivia question. Which instrument is particularly associated with Buddy Rich? 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win the tanning certificate. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the Best of Investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hump, president of Pacific Private Money. Second trivia question we asked was, which instrument is particularly associated with Buddy Rich? Uh, was that drums? Yes. Yes. Very good. Uh, drums. Hey, quick mention also for Mike's Pizza in San Rafael. Pizza the way it ought to be. I've heard from a lot of people that they have excellent pizza. Check them out on 4th Street. Um in San Rafael, Mountain Mike's Pizza. Making me hungry. I know. we got to go there after the show here. Uh, let's see. So, Mark, um, before I ask you the email question that came in, explain a little bit what Pacific Private Money does. Because, you know, producing a, a return for the month annualized at almost 9% is uh, is sounds a little too good to be true. You know, sometimes, and I, I feel for people who haven't listened to our show before, and they're maybe just driving around and hearing us, and we kind of, last segment, jumped right into talking about the fund. It's like, well, what, what fund? What are you talking about? So, so just as a, you know, real quick, at Pacific Private Money, we're an alternative real estate finance provider, uh, which is a fancy term for saying we do private money loans, also known as hard money loans, The um, and, and really the types of loans we do are 
are generally short-term. Where are the guys you go to when you um, are in a rush to buy real estate? Maybe your your financing fell through or your the, your money partner didn't come through, and all of a sudden you got to close by next Friday. And so we're the guys that get that call typically because we can move very, very quickly. We're a holistic lender. We're smart people who've invested in real estate for over 35 years, and we know how to analyze Bay Area real estate. And that's where most of our lending is done right here in the Bay Area. So we do real estate loans, mostly purchase loans, fix and flip, uh, even for homeowners uh, who are in contract to buy a home. Um, one of the most popular loan programs we have right now is for homeowners who want to move up or move down or move sideways out of town, maybe, and they don't want to sell their home first. But all their equity, all their down payment money is tied up in the equity in their home. So what do you do? Well, we can lend off that equity and provide you with 100% financing uh, or or 100% of the purchase price of the home you want to move into, of the home you want to buy that you've identified. Or maybe you haven't identified a home, but you want to run around and uh, compete with cash buyers by giving your realtor the opportunity to make non-contingent or very low contingent offers. Not having a financing contingency when you make an offer on a house is big. Sellers like that. And so mm-hmm. when you have when you have a, a pre-approval from, from Pacific Private Money, you can run around and mimic cash when, uh, or your realtor can anyway, when he's making uh, offers for you. So, so basically, you know, we're fast money, we're, we're, we're easier money, uh, and we're generally exist to help people capture real estate when bank financing is just not an option. And again, bank financing is always better than, than, than our financing in terms of price. You, you were, you know, bank financing is 4%, right? And, and we're nine basically. And so people don't come to us to save money. They come to us to save time. They come to us to, to create a stress-free opportunity for themselves. They come to us when they can't, when they're, when their credit, you know, not everybody we lend to has hammered credit. We do a lot of loans to 800 FICO score clients, but some of our, Flippers and contractors and and, and other uh, let borrowers, um, they are in the you know high five hundreds to low six hundreds, and so but that's that's not why it's it's not oh you make seconds to people with bad credit <laughs> so they can like bail themselves out of trouble. No, we don't make loans like that at all. That's not the business we're in. We're we're fast, reliable, transactional financing for uh, home buyers and real estate investors. Well, two two comments I want to make is one uh, the seller financing contingency. I mean, you can't have that nowadays because if you think about, or excuse me, the financing contingency, because the seller probably wants to buy something and he can't buy that house unless <laughs> right, he sells right. this is his it, house. It's uh, right. Yeah. You're trapped between a rock and a hard yeah. place. So, so yeah, you can't. And one of the things, you know, it's funny you mentioned about how, you know, bank financing is always going to be cheaper. Maybe from an interest rate standpoint, but not necessarily on a cash flow standpoint. What I mean by that is many times um, I've seen situations where someone had a bank loan where they've had it for a number of years and maybe they had a 15-year mortgage. And so a huge part of that is now principal and they may even have mortgage insurance because of years gone by. And from just strictly a how much they have to write a check for every month might be actually more than if they borrowed money from Pacific Private Money. So all of our loans have interest-only payments. You can borrow a lot more money when you know that you're making an interest-only payment. Um, we, we regularly make loans uh, uh, one, two, three million dollars in size, and the ability for the borrower to afford that payment uh, many times is largely based upon the fact that the payments are interest-only and don't have a five, six, seven thousand dollar a month principal uh, payment uh, added on yeah. to that. So, so because I, know, I know sometimes you have to you have to make a thirty-year fully. Immer- 
amortized loan under certain circumstances. Under certain circumstances, but the vast majority of loans we do are, are interest-only yeah. payments. So, so that's so the, those are the types of loans we make. And if we're charging roughly 9%, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more, I think I would say our loan rates will range from, on the low end, uh, mid to low eights, and on the high end, the high nines, maybe 10%. We do junior liens. Junior liens will usually be 10 maybe 11%. We've done thirds where there's like a, a low first and maybe HELOC second that's maxed out and they've got tons of equity. Would they do? Would we do a third? Yeah, we do that regularly, particularly in the Bay Area where we really are comfortable with uh, uh, neighborhood valuations. And, and so, again, we exi- and we're making a short-term loan. We're not betting on a, on a five- or ten-year uh, market. We're betting on a 12 to 18 month market, generally speaking. So, so if we're charging you know rates between eight and 10 percent, um, we were able to pay our investors, uh, our fund investors anyway, about seven and a half percent. And uh, the majority of our investors are in the fund. And for more information, uh, before we run out of time here, because uh, we're you know we got a couple more minutes, we're going to talk about a few more things here. Um, you want to go to our website, which is PacificPrivateMoney.com. That's PacificPrivateMoney.com, and we're actually. Doing a, we're improving our website quite a bit. We're adding a lot of new features to it. And uh, um, you can, if you've been there before and you haven't been there uh, recently, go back. Uh, there's a lot more uh, information available for you there. Uh, sometimes the best way to find out uh, and get your questions answered, though, is just to give us a call. Uh, we answer our phones live. We're in the office every day. Uh, we've got staff that is there waiting for your call to talk about the fund and answer your questions about how the Pacific Private Money Fund, which is a mortgage pool fund, how it works. Uh, just a couple of additional things on our fund. We don't use leverage for the fund, so that 7.5% is a true yield. It's not a levered yield. And I know for some investors, they're concerned about uh, leveraged funds. So um, it's, an, it's an unlevered yield. And then the weighted average um, uh, loan-to-value of loans in our fund is roughly 60%. So, uh, and that's based on uh, when we made the loan. And since prices in general have been rising since we made many of our loans, um, we're, we're fairly comfortable in in stating uh, that uh, and the most important question have you ever lost money so we've never lost principal on any loan we've ever made we've made 1600 loans in fact we've uh, never lost interest either we've always made uh, at or near the um, the promised return uh, on all of our notes so it's been uh, it's uh, and again we're, we're we're looking forward to the next cycle and uh, and we're adjusting our lending guidelines uh, as we feel appropriate and okay. uh, in looking forward to that all right when we come back after this break uh, an email comes in and asks about taking money out of the fund because I'm sure some people, sometimes they need, they need the money. Yes, That's right. Okay, so here's our last trivia question. Who had a 1980s number one hit uh, song called Centerfold? Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. Who had a 1980s number one hit with, quote, Centerfold? All right, stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We're going to be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt, president of Pacific. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.